Hey everybody, I hope you are doing all right. Uh, everything considered, I know there's a lot going on in the world and uh, even more the reason to begin to, to push out more of these. And I'm really excited today to be bringing this um, conversation to life. Uh, and this is basically a recording that I had yesterday with a woman named Cheryl Mobley. Cheryl is the CEO and founder of an organization called Recalibrate. Recalibrate. Uh, but really what led to that work was uh, her work as a, a president of the Texas Health Specialty Hospital, where she did that for five years. And prior to that, at the same hospital, was seven years as a director of operations and quality. Uh, in that time there, uh, she led the hospital through some, some pretty intense uh, situations, including the uh, Ebola crisis and even having an Ebola case at her hospital. Uh, after that, she went on to start her consulting, and it was based around the idea that she spent five years as president, and she had 99th percentile um, both patient and employee satisfaction. So really learning how to lead uh, in the medical system and lead uh, up at that level, and then wanted to translate that out to organizations and leaders, and that was why she started Recalibrate. Um, I think now more than ever, her message is, is powerful, both around uh, just leadership in general, what she was talking about before, but having had been a uh, president of a hospital through crisis, uh, she has a lot to offer. So we, we talk a lot about that today. We spend some time talking about uh, historically healthcare and how it thought about contingency planning. Uh, we also move into looking at the opportunities in this challenge and how do we design for this. Uh, or our organization's capacity for change. Uh, she talks about leading through Ebola. And also, you know, how do we look to stay positive during these challenges and, and stay focused on what the work that we need to do? So and at the very end, Cheryl also offers a, an offer to organizations and leaders in these challenging times. So uh, we're going to drop right in. Uh, I start basically with, with me looking at... Um, uh, kind of where, where things currently are, and we drop right into the conversation. I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you and uh, bringing you more information. So thanks a lot, and we'll be in touch soon. So my sense is that we are really living through a very fast pivot, and that, and I, it's not all bleak either, but just mm -hmm. that we will say that this was the inflection point, that th there was the pre this and the post this. And mm -hmm. I think for the workplace particularly, like I, like I don't know if you saw my post recently about um, just this deep sense of like this idea. I used to use this hashtag future of work. I'm like, that's done. Like, I think it's the now. Yeah. Like it's, it was like, we talk about it and the story and where are we going? And, I, and on many well, levels. Be ready it's, when it comes as if it yeah. came on the timeline. <laughs> Good point. Really good. Right, well, I mean, I know medical medical people that are around me now. Let's not just not just particularly like hospital workers, but medical people talk about how right. slow the telehealth. Is, boom, done. Like everybody's telehealth. Like you think we're going to go backwards yeah. now? Um, right. yeah. I spoke to somebody the other day who's an HR person in government, and she was talking about how slow they've been for so long for work remote, work from home because of this. It's not safe. It's not secure. Nothing. And now. They're forced. You, I mean, is, is the government. Mm -hmm. I mean, we will never go back, and I don't, even, I don't like the word "work from home." Just put this more fluid, um, flexible, right. more responsive organizational structures. I mean, again, like I'm not. It's not about politics. I think it's just like we have built this thing where we look to one person, like like our like our organizations, to lead the mm -hmm. way. And it, it's slow. It's not responsive in a world like this, where I think we harbor a lot more ability to self-organize, to move rapidly. We're gonna see that through this. Like, and so mm -hmm. I think that'll change how we think about organizational structures. In healthcare, it, it, especially you know, for a hospital specifically, because that's my area of experience, 
is, you know, we had to have plans and be able to self-support for basically 96 hours. And then we had to have plans for what we would do after that. Mm -hmm. Because as what we're seeing here, the huge ripple effects, if you've got a problem and a lot of your staff have kids and they don't have childcare, they can't leave the kids at home. Mm -hmm. They just can't. I mean, yeah, a three-year-old, sure, be safe. Don't eat anything you shouldn't. I'll see you later. You know, so I mean, it's the, the downstream ripple effects, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, so, and I saw something today, I think about grocery stores have been so focused kind of, you know, this, you, you triggered me when you said something about kind of the changes we made. One of the, and you talked about being agile is they talk about, well, we've kind of, we don't stock much stuff anymore. We kind of go to a just in time model and that's screwing us right now. So it's like, you know, we look at what feels good at the time and we don't think about the what ifs. You know, and, and outside of, I've not heard the term much used, and I'm not sure if you remember, failure mode effect analysis, F-M-E-A. Mm -mm, F-M, F-M-E-A, failure mode, what is it? Effect analysis. Okay. It's an, obviously an engineering term, Lord love you, right? You know, but it originated with Boeing. And mm -hmm. basically, and I love the visual because my husband used to work for Boeing. And when they would design a new plane, one of the tests they would do was literally get equipment to push the wings up until they broke. Mm. Right. So it's testing where will it fail? How much pressure can it take? Right. And so in healthcare, you have an obligation. I mean, it's literally mandated as one of the standards is that you do at least every 18 months a FEMIA. And the goal is you're looking at something that could happen. So it's not a known problem. Right, because that's performance improvement. Okay, so if you know something's not working, then you have to fix it. That's that's PI or performance improvement or quality improvement, depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. But if EMEA says if this thing were to break, it would be a really big problem. And literally, you go through this structure that says, what do we think could happen? What would be the things that would lead up to it? How would we fix it? So that the goal is that you mitigate it before it happens. Mm -hmm. right. And I think a lot of us, and, and healthcare certainly not exempt, could have done a better job of going, if something like this were to happen, what are the likely ripple effects? I don't mm -hmm. know that we take the ripple effects far enough, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. to go to look at when this happens and that happens and this causes this and that causes that. We kind of go with maybe two or three things deep, yeah. you know, and, and don't take it any further. So it's, it's just been interesting to me to see the mix of, and I don't mean interesting in kind of a clinical disinterested thing, sad would be a better word, to see how many people have gone right to panic and mm. have made the situation worse than it needed to be. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's sweetness and light, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, it's not. But how much of our response is, hey, how are we looking or not looking, kind of to your words about being an inflection point, are we looking for the gift in this? Whether it's the gift of being able to do something you've been running full tilt and haven't done, or is how do we really look forward to what our new now future is and go, what do we need to do differently now that we had to, we got thrown into this, but now how do we design for it? You know, and so I'm just not seeing enough of that. Um, and yeah. I'd love to. Right? I know. You know I, I know in our world, we're like jumping around because we think about it. I, my mind goes to like, giving most people a couple of weeks, but I want to see it too. Like everybody, like everybody's still dealing with the trauma of it, you know, but yeah. how, how fast can we move out of the trauma into mm. response? Because to your point, 
like at certain levels, it's not as it's 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 not like, like I'm gonna transition because you know I want to talk to you about your time with Ebola. But like when I think of Ebola, I think of a like a disease that's like basically melting people, and if you get it, you're done. Like it's not completely right. the situation. I also heard the other day the difference between countries that have a one percent mortality rate and five percent. It's not the bug. It's the healthcare system. Once healthcare system meets 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 its overflow, then the the so it's not the bug. It's the healthcare system that is the difference between uh, the mortality, you know? So I just think that's really, really interesting. And so I'm gonna give people a couple of weeks. I know at Coltramp, I'm just so impressed with how fast, like we're just, maybe because of the work we do, who we are, just we're just like really mm -hmm. coming into grips. I also think we used to laugh. I used to have jokes with some of our executive leaders. You'd walk into one of our offices and any given day, there's about 50 or 60%. And you'd be like, what's going on? But like the benefit now that everybody was conditioned to work remote. So I think to how many organizations are having to deal with just the, tr like that could be the crushing blow. Not that they can't do their work, that it takes a month or six weeks to, to adapt and it's too long and they're in trouble versus companies that can really bounce quickly into new modes of working and not, hopefully not skip a beat, just keep moving. Right. Um, well, there's, not the, there's not the infrastructure for most. I yeah, I mean, I, when I was you know, doing quality and when I became president, I had the capacity originally, and part of this is tech, but it's also the organization's choice, right? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. the capacity, we had very limited capacity to do remote work. Very few things we could get to that we had had on our, you know, that we would have if we were at work. When I became president, I had access to everything. But the hoops and the difficulty and, and everything involved with that, I was at a very tiny fraction of that organization that had that capacity. Right. You know, and so how many organizations had that capacity, whether it's now the tech isn't the issue, but is it concern about security or is it lack of trust in your people? If I can't see them, I can't trust them. You know, I mean, what what is it? And to your point, if you're not used to having to work remote, it feels like, well, but, 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 you know, it's like it's not an either or. Right? It doesn't have to be if you're at home, you're doing nothing, you know. But there's certainly, there's different ways of, of showing up and different ways of figuring out, well, how do we still engage and how do I get something from you if I need it? And how do I figure out how to work further without somebody than I would have gone normally? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to your point, it's, you know, I see it both on the, the compliance side and kind of the thought process side as well as the tech side. I mean, tech yeah. now, there really isn't a reason not to. 15 years ago, it would have been different. You know, I mean, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have had Amazon able to deliver just about anything despite their own issue. Think right? about that. I think about how different this would look 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what we can, you know, what we can get and do now. But yeah, you see the fear. I mean, I came back from this trip and I'm like, yeah, I'm not a hoarder. I mean, I want to have enough stuff not to have to do a panic trip to the store, but I'm like, everybody's out of toilet tissue. Like even Staples, and they're saying, "Yeah, we could probably send it hey. to the end of May." And I'm like, "Dave what? Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, I saw him the other day. Did a little, a little piece, and he made a very good point. He said, no one wants to have an itchy butt in the middle of a pandemic.' Yeah, but you don't need five <laughs> cases of it either. Right? We it's know funny where we go, but we're humans. We're so we're silly. I want to change this a little bit and then, and pivot yeah. to what the email you sent, what you've been putting out to the world. Like, right? Yeah. So you you led a help. You led a hospital. Biddle. Correct. Um, during the Ebola crisis. Correct. And you're also working with leaders now. And you see this like uh, a, a place to both share what you learned from that, but also on more of the leadership side. So I'm curious. I want to hear more about that. Um, what's going on? What are those dots you're connecting? What are you seeing, thinking about from those two pieces where 
you worked through crisis in a hospital mm -hmm. and now you work with leaders and like, what do you, I just want to, I want to tease that out a bit. Sure. So when you run a hospital, clearly you can't just leave, right? <laughs> you can't say your people are non-essential. <laughs> you still have the responsibility to care for the people already in your care. You have responsibility to your staff and your team because if they're not well, they can't care for everybody else. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, going home is not an option. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a different environment that way with Ebola. The system I worked for was the first one that had an Ebola patient. Whoa. Okay. So everybody else, I can guarantee you are going, we're happy to help, but we're so glad it's you and not us because we knew it was going to be one of us. Right. <laughs> you know, so same thing as what's going on now. Lots of learning, misinformation. What do you pay attention to? What do you do? How do you show up? So, when you have a healthcare organization, you're way off here, right? Because of you're, you don't have the option to send people home. You don't have the option to wait until you get good information. You have to make decisions real time because you don't have that out. So in that case, certainly, and to your point, if Ebola was something that someone got, the consequences were very, very bad, way worse than, than what we're seeing with this. And that's not to take away from anyone who loses a life or has options. But if you just look at the sheer numbers of you get it, you're pretty much dead or permanently disabled, it was a different, different thing. Um, so for me, it's really around how do you act as a leader in that time? Because your people need you to be calm, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you're flipping out, then they're going to flip out even more. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going, oh, it's not a big deal, because then they think you're a moron, right? Yeah, 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 but it's yeah. like, here's where we are, here's what we know, here's what we're doing, what ideas do you have that we haven't already talked about, and how do we kind of stay together and hang together with this, right? So that's relevant regardless. It's even more relevant now when it's another infection type of thing. It's something we cannot see. And so it's that same sort of approach that, from my perspective, a leader needs to be the one to be transparent but not be panicked you know and I, I some of our folks would say to us you're just so calm it just makes me feel better i just kind of settle right and so it's exactly it's taking that breath and going okay we're here we all signed up for this we need to stay safe we need to take care of the people that are trusting us we need to be over the top as far as precaution yeah but we know how important it is how we all show up collectively right so it was that sense of kind of coming together as opposed to scattering and running and being all about you it reminds yeah. me a little bit of uh when i fly if i ever hit heavy turbulence i have this thing i always look up to, to look at the the, the flight attendants yeah, and just to see, see what they're doing. As long as they're calm, I'm cool. Now I'm sure they're trained to stay calm, but like, oh, yeah. if they're calm and they're not even sitting, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I was on a call this morning with, um, it was a webinar with McChrystal Groups. That's Stanley McChrystal, General McChrystal, who did the whole team of teams and led in Afghanistan. And but he talked about the same thing. He said that, uh, you know, they, they opened the call with the situational awareness, basically mm -hmm. straight data. And then yeah. he said later, the reason we did that is we, you know, before we get into conversation, we want like to start with data. And that's how they did it when they were running their operations in Afghanistan uh, was like, like that. I think what you're talking about, situational awareness. What's the data? Mm -hmm. We're taking this seriously before we, and then, and then into like, let's have a, a conversation or think about options. Because rumors run rampant. And yeah. I, I always said what I was later, I said, if there was a way to move truth, like y'all move rumor, it would be freaking amazing, right? And they would look at me and they would laugh. But I'm like, the bad stuff spreads like wildfire and it stays around forever, you know? So you do need to set that context. And that's been 
part of my concern with what I've been seeing is we're responding to fear and our brain shut down. I'm like, let's look at the facts, right? Let's just slow down. Let's look at what we really know. Let's take a collective breath here. And then how do we move forward with what we know? Understanding that it may change, you know, and how do we be kind of overcautious in a healthcare setting to protect everybody, but let's not freak, you know? And so that whole piece of, Having a shared context, which is based on, that's when I'm talking about the transparency, is based on the facts, is based on what we know. But it's also not saying, and this is it, and it'll never change. No, again, don't be an idiot, right? (laughs) This is what we know now. And if your commitment is, when we get an update, you will be the first to know, then do that, right? You know, so it's it's setting people up so they understand that you're going to be straight with them and that it's kind of a partnership to move forward. So for me, it's really around understanding people's humanity and understanding that they're scared for their parents or they're scared for themselves. They're worried about taking this home to their kids. You know, do they take all their clothes off and shower before they leave? What about their shoes? Do they leave the shoes out? I mean, you know, it's all of this kind of stuff. Did I touch anything? I mean, all of these things that are running through somebody's mind and from a leader's perspective, you need to understand that while you still have a company to run and yes, they've signed up for that, their brain is going like a squirrel on the impact for them personally. You need to be able to address that, talk about that, and then at the same time go, and here's what we're here to do together, and here's why. And so it's not devaluing that, it's recognizing it, but it's also going, but we're here to do this other thing. We can absolutely support each other, we can recognize that, need to understand we've all got that little thing running in the back, Mm -hmm. but we're here to do something collectively to make things better, right? And so let's, you know, let's get after it, and really just hope. Oh. I, you know, when you when you see all of this negativity and all this crap and all this spiraling, the world as we know it's going to end, and we're probably all going to be in body bags tomorrow, laid out on ice rinks. I'm like, just stop it. It's like, what? Why is this useful? It's not, you know. And it's it's certainly part of being that you know, it's that calmness, that transparency. But it's also understanding we will get through this. It doesn't mean we'll be the same, and honestly, we probably shouldn't. Oh. You know, <laughs> doesn't mean we don't deeply hurt for the people. Yes. Impacted whether it's financially or physically or, or with illness. Oh, we're in crisis. I mean, if we are right. soldiers in a war, we have to keep on, oh, even though we're seeing on. some bad stuff happen around us. Yeah, you can't just. I don't want to play anymore, right? No, I mean, I, there was somebody that that I interviewed for my book, and he was great. He was um, kind of spec ops in the in the um, Air Force, <laughs> and he said it was pretty early on. So it was before he was in spec ops, and they had they had missions to do, and their job was to make sure the planes were ready to go. Mm-hmm. And he said F- there was just kind of some tension and some not good stuff going on, and you know their commander kind of pulled them all together and go, "You signed up for this. Didn't promise you a party. Get it done, right? <laughs> you know, enough already. You know, and so." It's going to be different whether you're in that kind of setting. You know, it's different in a healthcare yeah. setting. You need people to, to show up. Um, it's different when people can safely work from home. And then their contribution is keep your butt at home. Right? That's it. I think this is your big ask yeah. in wartime. Stay home on your couch yeah. and, and stream Netflix. Yeah. And be with your family and get outside, you know, yeah. and, and go with what can I, what can I do positive from this? You know, because we all know that the more you stay negative, the more likely you are to get sick from something. So right. why are we go. doing that, right? You know, so it, it, to me, it, as a leader, your platform is always amplified, never more than now. 
you know, and it, we've got that dichotomy because now people are like, but I want my job, I want my job, <laughs> who might not have wanted it two months ago, but now when you don't have it and you're not getting paid, you really want it. Yeah. Because you I had a, that direct link. I know? thought when you're talking, I have, one, I have one final question I wanted to ask you, but the thought was when you were talking about, and I don't, I'm sure, I bet there's research on this, but when you're talking about like people dropping into anxiety and fear, I wonder when what's i'm sure there's research when people come together and focus on a common um outcome so if a leader brings people together and so let's get focused together here's what we're doing i wonder how that i i, I my sense is when people get themselves pulled out of themselves and into the greater it can mm -hmm. keep that it can keep them out of of some of those those pits um and those dark places not everybody but more than if we're just left alone and individualistic um my question uh, interesting one came up while you're talking too is how were you different as a leader before you were working at the hospital through Ebola and after? Like, yeah. what were you learning in, in the situation that you didn't have before? That's a great question. So I think one of the things was there was so much uncertainty. And we were getting information to say, okay, this is what your people need to do to be protected, specifically this is how you put on the PPE. This is the level of PPE you need. For, I'm sorry, personal protective equipment, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's levels from just the mask you can pick up at the store that you see people wearing. You know, there's shields. There's all sorts of things. What do you do? How do you take your gloves off, right? Yeah. I mean, we actually had to have people trained on how to wear, and we had different um, processes put in place for people working with ones who we knew had Ebola, you know, and how we staged that. But literally it got to the point where we had to have, if I'm taking off PPE or putting it on, donning or doffing, you would, you would in this case be standing there watching me to make sure I did it right. Before I went in to make sure I didn't have anything, on, you know, that was exposed. And when I came out to make sure that in the process of taking it off, I didn't expose myself or you never done anything like that before right. so we kept changing what we were asking people to do as we learned so that need to be able to kind of constantly iterate in uncertainty changes you right as a leader for sure and because the consequences are so high it's not like well your tulip won't bloom it's like this could kill you and so it's it's that shift of really understanding how do you lead when everything keeps changing and it is life-threatening you know, what do your people need from you when they can't go home? What's your responsibility to your patients who don't have it and you want them to not get it? So it's, it's all of these sorts of things that you kind of like you're talking about what we can't go back. It's like you can't unlearn, you can't unsee mm -hmm. because you've had that experience. Right? And, and so I really think it's that how do you lead in a time that's fluid when things keep changing and how do you rally people? together to go forward in something when it is scary and there is personal rest, right? but they're doing something for others. And so it's that, you don't lose that. And I think it, when you deal with something like that, it lends itself to you being more calm the next time <laughs> because you're like, this is how we do this, which is why I reached out and said, if I can help, I am happy to, you know, yeah. because you don't learn it without going through it. And you certainly don't learn it more than when you're a hospital dealing with Ebola or some other equivalent situation. Yeah. Uh, 
that really does that does change you. Share, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put this out. Share the offer um, that you that you posted just on LinkedIn. I just want to verbally get it out, like the offer that you've made to the world around this. Sure. So my offer was that you know, as a former hospital president who led through Ebola, that I was offering two things. One would be to get on a call with intact teams, as long as the CEO or president was there, because I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page to basically just kind of talk through some things that I did learn and to answer questions and hear a little bit more about what they're doing. And that's completely with my compliment, right? No, nothing expected. Or for lower level leaders to potentially just pop up a few different Zoom calls where it's not private, right? It's on an intact senior team, but it's, hey, these are my questions. What do you think? Realizing that the level of information and two-way sharing is going to be restricted on that, right? Because you're not going to mm -hmm. talk about everything in front of, you know, quote unquote outsiders. But those were my two, two offers, um, just because I wanted to be able to bring that forward and kind of accelerate, <laughs> as it were, and give people some comfort of talking to somebody who's led through something like this, yeah. because it is important. Yeah. If somebody hears this and wants to connect with you, just is the best way to reach out to you via LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn certainly works, um, or you know, they can just do a direct email um, at Cheryl at recalibrate.today is okay. fine as well. Cheryl, thank you so much. I appreciate our connection, our friendship, and uh, just to, to be connected right now. I uh, appreciate you taking some time to spend, hang out and just talk and answer some of my questions. So I, I really appreciate yeah. this, and uh, I'm going to do my best to, to, to amplify the message that you've shared with me. So thanks. Perfect. All righty. Well, thank you, sir. So